0: This is the PR podcast, a show about how public relations helps you tell your story to the world. We talk with great PR practitioners who have the skills, creativity, and just plain savvy to get their clients noticed. Now, here's your host, Jody Fisher.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to the PR podcast. I'm Jody Fisher. Thanks for joining us. Well, have you got yourself a PR podcast plug yet? It's our new feature at the top of the show right here where we promote your passion project. That's your blog, your website. It's not your business. It's the thing that you do on the side that gets your juices flowing, right? It's the thing that you love, that you wake up in the middle of the night and you go, I got to do that thing. Or it's the thing you wake up on Saturday morning and say, I can't wait to do that thing. Um, It could even be your podcast. You know, last week we had Amy Rosenberg of of Veracity Marketing on, um, and she's got her own uh, podcast about PR as well. Uh, And that's what we're talking about, right? Tell us what your passion project is. We'll plug it right here at the top of the show. Don't be shy. Drop us a line at the PR podcast on Twitter and let us plug your thing. Now on to our guests. Let's get right into it. Scott Baradell is CEO and founder of Idea Grove based in Dallas, Texas. It helps its clients secure trust at scale through its unique grow with trust approach. Scott is an established authority on trust and the editor of the online publication Trust Signals, as well as the author of an upcoming book, Trust Signals, Brand Building in a Post-Truth World. I have an idea of what we're going to be talking about, Scott. Welcome to the PR podcast. What was your first clue? Hi, thank you,
0: uh, Jody. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. What is a trust expert? Well, a trust expert, I, I've used that term to describe myself because I've been studying this for some time, um, brand trust specifically, but it ties to all kinds of trust. And the bigger thing that I want to do uh, in trying to give back to uh, the PR profession is to tell all PR pros that that is the mantle that you should take to be a trust expert. That's what you should be a trust keeper for your clients, uh, for for your company, that should be your role. Because I think a lot of PR professionals have allowed themselves to be defined by others to be kind of painted into a corner. Oh, you just go get media coverage for us, or you have this limited tactical role. And um, the whole point of Trust Signals the book and the project is to uh, for, for PR people to start thinking more broadly. Okay, what's our history? What do we do best? But also how does that tie to the world today? And where can we have the biggest impact as a profession? And I think it's as the keepers of trust for brands. I, I think that's a great
1: concept. Uh, and we're going to spend uh, the majority of our conversation here talking about it, because to me, trust is everything. Right. If if the media can't trust you, they're never going to cover your clients or they're never going to you know accept the pitch or write the story you're asking them to write. If your clients can't trust you, you know, your business cannot thrive. Um, and we live in a world where and I think in, in very recent history. Um, We've had real challenges with trust, with people in positions of authority, and let's leave it at that, have not told the truth um, from all walks of life. Uh, and we're seeing that even now in, in, in the, uh, the war in Ukraine. You know, you've got propaganda coming out of the Kremlin that is apparently intentionally misinforming and disinforming the Russian people as to what's going on in, in Ukraine. So the, this concept of trust, I am a huge fan of it um where does trust in your in your estimation where does trust begin with the pr person
0: well if we look at the um, you know the history of of pr i did a, a video on this the other day and i've written quite a bit about it you know a lot of people who've studied communications know there was ivy lee and edward bernays and these were founding fathers of pr they're kind of like uh almost like a um, Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and that they kind of came up at the same time had similar backgrounds they they established personal computing but had very different visions at the same time this is the same thing for Ivy Lee and Edward Bernays and they they started out at a time in the early 20th century where there was no trust in big corporations at that time there, the big corporations had just started emerging there was no regulation of any kind uh, child labor Uh, There were no 40-hour work weeks, all of those, these things, and the uh, robber barons, as it were, the big railroad barons and big oil and all that, they had disdain, clear disdain for the general public, and they showed it. They did things like, um, in the case of the railroads, if they had a fatal accident, not only would they not put out a press release or not, you know, communicate um, the details about it, they would deny it happened. They would say, fatal accident? What fatal accident? We didn't have a fatal accident. That was the level of disdain that led to the reaction of the progressive movement, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, trust busting, all of that. And suddenly, because of this reaction, the big big companies said, wow, um, maybe we need to start caring what, what people think a little bit. And that's really what caused Ivy Lee and Edward Bernays and these guys to kind of enter the breach. And Ivy Lee, he had the kind of what was considered the founding document of uh, PR, his declaration of principles which he issued um, when he started representing a a railroad company. And um, I think it was Pennsylvania Railroad. and, And he sent out this declaration of principles that said, among other things, we are not an advertising agency we aim to provide news, the news you need, we will provide in detail without basically without spin, they didn't use that word at the time, and so forth, really set this out in a very straightforward document. One of the first things he did was there's a big fatal train crash, and he took um, um, reporters to the scene. Um, totally change, totally different approach, it really represents the best of what PR is meant to be. And that was all about establishing trust between railroads, between big companies and the public, in a way that they had not done, through this intermediary of the news media. And so, the reason I talk about trust as opposed to kind of the media media relations, which PR has always done, or so closely we've kind of been seen, I think, by a lot of people, PR is a junior partner to the media in some ways. Is that we can't just rely on this intermediary of the media anymore to establish that public trust. It's always been about establishing trust with the public. But I think a lot of times people in PR have lost sight of that. Oh, I just need to know these key media people to schmooze with, and then they'll take care of taking, you know, I get a good relationship with them, they trust me, and they'll take care of getting the message out there. Well, obviously that doesn't work anymore. The mainstream media does not have that level of influence anymore. Half of the media you know, was distrusted by half of the public and the other half is distrusted by the other. You've got to do something um, more nuanced today. I call it a continuum of influence from the person who leaves that one Google review of your business to this whole range from nano to macro influencers and and then the tier one media, trade media. You've really got to cobble together as a PR professional. What is this kind of... um, uh, uh, continuum uh, of, of of trust-building sources that are going to be meaningful for for my client and and their customers, and and so that's why I emphasize trust. This this larger objective of trust, as opposed to ways that we've traditionally gotten there, i.e., through the validation of of media coverage. I'm just trying to step back and say, hey, guys, don't let people define you as being a media relations person because. That they're, that's just, they're, your, they're just making you a tool in the marketer's toolkit. And we always, as a profession, Jody, we always have the aspiration to be the equal of marketing, not a tool of marketing, the equal of marketing. And once we say, you know what? Trust, as you said, trust is the most important thing. You're not gonna sell anything if you don't establish trust first. And even if you can sell, you know, guess what? You've got other constituencies you have to worry about that marketers traditionally don't worry about, especially today. You can get canceled as a brand by people that never bought or intend to buy your product, but they can still ruin your business. And so this is why PR thought of more broadly as being the keepers of trust for brands to to help companies grow, build, protect their brands by maintaining trust with their audiences. That's why it's just so important. And I think a good way for PR people to realize you've got a really important role. Uh, in business and in society today, and I think sometimes um, PR people don't realize um, that they they have the opportunity to do big things.
1: Yeah, huge huge amount of terrific information there and and couldn't agree more that um, we as PR people are more than media relations people. That's just one facet of what we do. Uh, but we were talking even before um, we started taping the podcast about how um, news and information comes at us. Th- from all different sources now. You know back, back in the days where you and I were reporters, it was the fax machine and the police blotter and maybe the, you know, the, the daily newspaper. That's where you got your jumpstart on information and then you went out and you sort of researched or called up people you knew, what's going on today, that kind of thing. Now you can sit back and just let it flow over your phone you know, through social media, through video, through people's own websites, through other news websites, there's a treasure trove of information, some of it good. And as you said, some of it not so good. Um, and so I love the concept of being someone who can be trusted and building trust with all the audiences that you serve. Um, serving. And, and I've caught flack for this too, telling clients, you know, I have just as much interest in representing in taking care of the media's needs as I do is taking care of your needs. Cause if I'm, t- if I'm thinking like the reporter and helping the reporter write their story, they're more inclined to write the story that we're trying to get them to write or that we're that we're trying to convey to them. They're still going to do their own research. I have no way of, uh, you know, uh, influencing the final product, but th- th- with that trust, um, it, it, we had we stand a better chance. Um, how How do brands and PR people who maybe don't have the jumpstart that you and I have, how do you start building that trust? Is there a place that you begin? Um, is it your corporate voice? Is it your social media? Is it your website? you know wh- where do you begin building trust?
0: Well, for us, what what I tried to do um, as a model for our agency, as well as one that I hope that other PR agencies will consider, looking at adopting, adapting, is I have a model uh, for how we structure our agency called Grow With Trust. Trust is an acronym, and the five um, letters in the acronym uh, stand for uh, third-party validation, reputation management, user experience, search presence, and thought leadership. And my view is, um, as a PR agency, we're well-positioned to cover all those bases, working with our clients. And if you do that, um, you've, you've put together a very comprehensive foundation of trust out there online. Um, where a company can start, I think you, you referenced it, I think the best place to start is by knowing who you are and what you stand for. Um, before you do any kind of communication to the media or, or to the outside world in general, um, think about what you're about and understand that um, people prefer brands to be three-dimensional in the same way that they prefer people to be three-dimensional. In other words, if you and I met at, at a party and all I wanted to talk about was uh, this thing I wanted to sell you, you would find a way to the exit fast. You'd, you'd, you'd excuse yourself from that conversation And you would want to know what I was about in a more comprehensive way, what things were important to me, um, how my brain worked, things that would form a natural kind of rapport, apart from any kind of transaction that might take place. And again, of course, that's true between um, if you're interested in dating someone, for example, you're just going to go out there and, 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 you know, yeah, there's a there's a great old uh, movie uh, called The Tao of Steve where he said, you know, the way to have you heard of it? He said the way the way to a woman's heart is not to just go all in and just say, hey, you're you're really good looking. Let's let's go out. And let it He said, be desireless, be excellent, and be gone. Those were his three rules. And the idea was, when you're in the woman's presence, remove all desire so you can truly get to know them. Uh, and then they'll they'll appreciate that much more. And this is true in business too. This is what brands should do too. Start with that something that you're not selling. and and then be excellent. So don't worry about, um, again, by excellent, he meant whether you can juggle, if you can talk about art history, whatever you have that's of interesting to share. Again, not selling something, just being something showing that you're excellent you're good at what you do so people want to learn more from you and then be gone meaning hey you've put it out there don't them turn it into high pressure mode do the opposite and they'll come find you as as the as dex says in the tale of, of steve we pursue that which retreats from us and and that's the that's that's a great story in that movie about dating, but it's a great story for marketing and PR people as well as the best way to do it. And so, my advice to brands is to take that approach. And in order to do that, you need to be three dimensional. Meaning, when you, we talk about being excellent, you have to have something to say. Almost, and I'm we mostly work in the B two B space. And I think I read Edelman came out with a great survey that said like. It was, I'm not, I don't have the numbers exactly right. It was basically like 85% of bargaining decision makers read thought leadership content every week. 15% said it was good. All right. So they're just dying for good content. That's excellent content. They're dying for you to be excellent for them. They will take it from there if you can do that. So as a, a three-dimensional brand, the three dimensions I should say are, yes, one is your product. That would be like your body, all right? Of course you need to sell your product to sustain yourself. But two is your mind. That's your thought leadership. Have something excellent to share with your brain, with your mind, that's not about the product and that'll draw people to you. That's what, Steve, what the battle of Steve is, be excellent. And then the third part, which I hadn't referenced, is, is um, your, your heart and that social purpose, which is so important today. Um, so in other words, what people want from brands today uh jody is not um a story about how i sell this and i turn a profit Uh, they want how what you're doing as a brand is contributing to the world becoming a better place yeah we have yeah go ahead i was gonna say and just so it's clear that does not this is mostly about having a your heart needs to be in the right place but you don't necessarily have to, you're not, it doesn't mean become a nonprofit. Okay. What we're talking about is Lego is a great example. Lego is generally considered, they're a $7 billion company. They make a billion dollars in profit every year. They're generally considered the most reputable brand in the world. There's a company called RepTrack that does these studies and they always come at number one or number two worldwide in terms of they're having a great reputation. They are a brand with a social purpose that is seen as having a heart. How do they do that? They tie everything they do to this mission of making the world a better place by nurturing our children. So when they when they do things that we might have thought of you and I in the, the, the days of uh, PR uh, in the past is uh, known as corporate social responsibility or, or CSR, you know they do sustainability initiatives, all right? They do DEI initiatives. They do they do um, things like um, uh, helping to catch predators online. Um, uh, for uh, Again, but they tie all these things to protecting, nurturing children in the same way that their product is meant to help develop the minds of the future builders of the world. Um, sustainability, you obviously have to have a planet in place for those children. Uh, the, the, the You've enriched the experience of these children by providing them a more diverse environment and, and, and having everybody included. Uh, And of course, you you want them to to learn and grow online and to do that they have to be protected from the bad things out there. So they take these things that could all be one off individual CSR uh, initiatives, and they make it part of this core identity, which has become so strong for them people when they think of Lego they don't just think of little plastic bricks. Think think of something much bigger, and that's because Lego is an example of a three dimensional brand. So I would say, again, long answered your question, which is my specialty. But they, uh, the, the first thing a brand should do if it wants to establish trust is say, "Do I have something more to say and contribute to this world besides selling this widget in front of me?" And let's figure out what that is. How does this? T- there must have been when that founder started that company something more than that, that they were trying to achieve. So let's tie this to having things to say, a thought leadership platform. Let's tie this to having a a social purpose strategy that, that ties this to the larger goal of making the world a better place. Once you have that, you're in position to be a trusted brand. And you can take that platform and go out into the world with it. So now,
1: how do you start communicating that to the audiences that you want to connect with? Is it putting it on your website, putting it on your social? But Before you even write a press release, before you even you know, push something out externally and saying, you know, reporter, pay attention to me. Are you, are you building that with your own vehicles first? How are you doing Are you talking to stakeholders? How are you doing it?
0: Well, I think a great way to start is with um, your, your own owned media. You know, in the in the trust acronym, it's we define user experience as basically everything that you control, and so that's your website, that's everything that you're sending to people, and if you're doing A/B testing, if you're if you're trying these things, you'll be able to get a sense from 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 people coming to, to your website and interacting with you, what what things are resonating uh, the most, and kind of what things to to emphasize more with, with any kind of outreach or especially paid outreach. Um, But I think, yeah, I mean, your website is your home on the web. It is you, you, what I tell people is, you know, you want the experience of when someone comes to your website to feel like they're stepping into their own living room. You want them to feel that comfortable. And if you're greeting them with messages about what you're all about What you stand for giving them useful information good ideas they're coming there and they're not feeling like they're being sold to and that they have to be skeptical and wary of what's going to happen to them on your website because they're they're feeling like you're providing something of value so if you start with that then these um these if you're three-dimensional you can extend that right out to social media very easily you know with in social media the, the challenge has been traditionally, I think a lot of people thought of social media, I know when we frankly did it 10 years ago when and a lot of brands still kind of do it today, where they, um, they, they almost think of their social media channels like a TV channel, meaning uh, like a traditional broadcast TV channel where they'd be like, okay, we're going to post three curated um, um, our articles by... A trade publication in our space and some other source and some other source and then we'll have that commercial message come to our product page and see our product and then we'll do and and it's 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 a model that's been around forever right it's like the traditional advertising model here's good content and sent in as a as a reward uh you know in, in return for providing you this good content you you get to see our ad uh our, going back to our website when so in other words, another way to look at that is you're showing other people saying smart things, and you talking about yourself. So the best way, to, the best way, if you or if you're three-dimensional, you can take the reverse approach of you saying smart things, and then let other people say something about you. So I would say, from a social media standpoint, if you've invested in social purpose and having a social purpose strategy, if you've invested in thought leadership then you're gonna go out there and have really cool content to share. Here's a study we just did. Um, <clears throat> here, this, this cause is really important. Here's a, um, an event that you should find out about. This is, so you're talking about really useful information to share, never talking about your product because you have, you have more to say than, than you have a product to sell. And then the commercial message is, oh, and here's a testimonial from one of our customers if you have an interest in our product, it might help you like it helped them. Just reverse that. And and you can only reverse it and do that if you're three-dimensional. Because if you're not, what do you have to say um, besides try our product? Or, you know, how many companies, you probably work with these guys too, and we have too. And so if you're working with folks who've who've, um, been doing this a long time, it can be a, a difficult fight. But the white paper doesn't always need to say, and in conclusion, after sharing all this information and data with you, this inexorably leads to why you should buy our product. You just lost all credibility that you were trying to establish. And just explaining to um, customers, uh, our clients, and, and, and brands that you there's a longer window here um, 95% of your potential buyers are not in market at that moment. So they might want education material. But if you go in for the cheap sale like that, you just wasted all your effort. So uh, being three-dimensional, a big part of it is, is just um, having things to talk about and share and contribute besides only being able to talk about what you're trying to sell.
1: It's such a great uh, point to end on um and and looking up another line from the Tao of Steve which I I can't believe that someone else actually saw that movie.
0: Two <laughs> <Google> of us
1: <laughs> but right did you and me but there's another line that I just I just googled here uh uh as we're talking. The Tao of Steve isn't about picking up lots of women it's about being the best person you can be. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about is just being doing your thing um demonstrating to the world your values um, your thought process, uh, your thought leadership, but sort of the here's here's why we get up in the morning and do what we do. We're not trying to sell you something. We're not trying to get you to do something. We're just here's who we are, and I think that's a terrific approach um, for for clients to take. So I'm I'm so glad we had this conversation today.
0: Me too. I I really appreciate being invited. It's always fun to talk about this stuff with a. Uh, I love that you we were you were both former journalists who transitioned okay. to to the dark side and maybe make it not so dark. It's not dark and we have cookies anyway, so who cares? That's
1: important too. (laughs) Let's transition now into the rapid fire question portion of our podcast. This is where we steal a page from inside the Actor's Studio and ask our guests a series of rapid fire questions meant to elicit just a simple answer, whatever comes right to your mind. So with your indulgence, Scott, here we go. Rapid fire question number one, what is your favorite news source?
0: My favorite news source
1: is Twitter. Twitter. All right. Now, every, it seems a lot of people say that out of the gate, because, but then they get to question number two, which is, what is your favorite social media platform?
0: Social media platform is LinkedIn. All right.
1: All right. A rapid fire question number three, coffee or alcohol?
0: Used to be alcohol. I'm trying to make it coffee.
1: Very good. All right.
0: I well. Now, I have that, enough, now that we're out of COVID,
1: right? I, I have enough for both of us. Coffee, that is. <laughs> Rapid fire question number four. What's your favorite on the run food? Now, former reporter, come on, Scott.
0: On the favorite on the run food. Yeah. To be honest, uh, at my house, I'm I'm usually grabbing a banana or something on the way out. I know that's boring. I, I bowl of fruit
1: on the dining room table all the time, and just yeah, I'm doing that more and more, and I actually feel better uh and rapid fire question number five what do you want to be after you finish this career
0: well to be honest um it's uh i probably got five six more years uh before i'm I'm thinking about selling uh retiring and, and things like that so probably just being a dad i've got five kids at home that are all still in school i started a little late on that front
1: all right you're busy well you're busy right we both have little ones so uh, yeah, you got your hands full for sure. Well, Scott, this has been a great conversation. Uh, please let know people, people know how they can find you online.
0: Well, two places. Um, our agency is Idea Grove. It's been around for 16 years. It's Idea Grove like an orangegrove.com. And the Trust Signals uh, book is, uh, came from a website that's been around a couple of years now called trustsignals.com. So you can find me at either of those places.
1: Fantastic. Scott, thank you again for joining us and thank you everyone for listening. Please remember to subscribe to the show and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the PR podcast and send us a question or a comment. Our intro is by Christopher Apple. You can find him and his fantastic photography on Instagram at Christopher underscore A-P-P-O-L-D-T. Check him out there and hire him for all of your photography needs. You can find me online at Jody Fisher on all the socials and on the web at jodyfisherpr.com. We'll see you next time on the PR Podcast.